When he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It is here with Christ upon a cult, and shouts of hosannas ringing out on Palm Sunday, that we see our Lord weeping. The crowds rejoice, but Jesus weeps. And he weeps not for himself, not for the suffering that awaits him on Calvary, but for the city. Jerusalem, the city of God, would soon be laid to waste in 70 AD, and all that calamity would await them. So our Lord knew of that, and he weeps. Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. Those in the city may have been rejoicing at our Lord's triumphal entry, but they did not know the things that make for peace. They had the very Prince of Peace before their eyes, but they knew him not. Why was it that the Jews would have any need for peace? Sure, they had the Romans oppressing them, but they surely didn't need peace with God, right? They had the temple, they kept the law, but they may have had the physical temple. But once the Prince of Peace came, the new temple, God in the flesh, they did not know the time of his visitation. They may have thought that they had kept the law, that was merely their outward attempts at trying to piously keep the law, creating new laws upon new laws upon new laws. But inwardly in their hearts, they were far from keeping the law. Certainly they did not fear God's wrath, for they had the temple. Surely they did not love God, for they loved their own self-righteousness more. Certainly they did not trust in God, for they trusted themselves and their own attempts at keeping the law. And so even though it appeared as though they were at peace with God, they were far from it. They needed peace with God. We needed peace with God. And so God sent forth the Prince of Peace. But they would soon reject this peace that was before them, crucify him and put him to death. And just a few years after that, the city would soon be destroyed. And so our Lord weeps. Now this is only one of two times in the Gospels that we see our Lord weeping. The first was at the death of Lazarus, and now the second at the imminent destruction of Jerusalem. So what is it that we learn from these two instances? We see that our Lord weeps over temporal matters, over the death of Lazarus, over the destruction of Jerusalem. He knew of the destruction that would soon come upon them, that the city would be surrounded, it would be brought to nothing. He knew of the suffering, the starvation, 
the cannibalism, and all the calamity that soon awaited them. And so he weeps. This suffering, though, is only temporary. And yet our Lord weeps over that temporal suffering of his creation. The suffering that would come to those who rejected Christ, the ones who did not know the time of his visitation. Now there were certainly godly men within the city of Jerusalem when it was laid to waste in 70 A.D. How is it fair that they too were destroyed? Why is it that those too were torn down with the city? Why is it that children not yet born were also torn down? How often in our own lives do we see the good punished alongside the bad? Children are caught in the crossfire of divorce, where they are shipped from parent to parent, where the child is pitted against one parent or the other for the sake of a court hearing, where these children are left wondering if they're the reason that their mom and dad don't love each other anymore, when in fact it was the parents who did not uphold the vow that they made. Now it's true that the parents also suffer greatly as a result of divorce. They are left with an image that does not depict the union of Christ and his bride, the church, but rather is evidence of the fall into sin. The parents suffer, as does the child. And so as the family bears the sins of one another, so too did Jerusalem bear the sins of one another. And let us not be complacent that we in this country will not also bear the sins of one another. As a country, have we kept the law? What law? One minute, marriage is between one man and one woman for life, and the next, love is love, and whatever goes, goes. Where the biblical view of marriage is destroyed and shattered for the sake of so-called same-sex marriage, which is no marriage at all. One minute, a boy is a boy and a girl is a girl, and the next, we indoctrinate, manipulate, and convince our children to mutilate their own bodies for the sake of self-expression. But to our country, it seems as though we're doing just fine. Certainly, we are convinced that we do not have to fear God's wrath, for we've prospered in the past and surely will continue to prosper in the future. Certainly, we are convinced that we do not have to love God, for we believe that love is love in whatever twisted way that may happen. Certainly, we are convinced that we do not have to trust God, for we have the God of science. Let us not be complacent and believe that the judgment and suffering seen in Jerusalem cannot and will not befall this land. And as there were righteous persons in Jerusalem 
that suffered alongside with the wicked. Let us not think that the church in this land will not also suffer as a result of those around us. There may come a time when it is against the law of the land to gather together in churches while pro-LGBTQ protesters flock in the masses on the street, where pastors are put on trial for proclaiming the truth, and where your own livelihoods are put on the line as a result of your faith. Have we not already seen this in the world around us? Let us be prepared for the day may come when even more things come against this church. Though these sufferings may take place, we have hope in the fact that these sufferings are only temporary, for a great and eternal reward awaits all who believe. Though we may suffer in this earthly life, we have hope in the joy of the age to come, For through the visitation of the Son of God and through his salvific work, we have peace with God. But for those who do not believe, suffering awaits them. And so we return to the image of our Lord weeping on the cult. And if he weeps over the temporal suffering that awaits for Jerusalem, How much more does he weep for the eternal suffering that awaits one of his created? He delights not in the death of the sinner. He takes no pleasure in the eternal suffering of one he created. He weeps for them. He wills that all would know the time of his visitation here on earth, when through the cross he brought peace between God and man. There are those who do not know the time of his visitation, those who are obstinate against the peace that he so freely gives. But thanks be to God that he has visited his people, that he has brought peace between God and man. By his suffering and his death, He offers forgiveness to all people, and yet some refuse that gift. And so our Lord weeps. He weeps over those who are not willing to be saved. But for those who do believe, those who are justified by faith, Christ shows us in the cleansing of the temple what he does in our own hearts, in holy baptism. Christ entered the temple in Jerusalem. He drove out the money changers in order to purify the temple that he may make it again a house of prayer. Likewise, this is what the Lord does in the hearts of those who are baptized. For in holy baptism, you are washed clean by the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, where you are again made a temple of God. And each time you hear the word of God, 
each time the law convicts you of your sin and you see the money changers of lust, envy, anger, or any other sin try to make its booth within you, you are reminded that Christ has driven out those money changers by his suffering and his death. And as families bear the sins of one another, so too is their forgiveness in Christ. For the families that suffer as a result of divorce, let your resentments, guilt, anger, envy, all of those drive you to the comfort you have in Christ through his shedding of his blood on the cross. Be comforted with that forgiveness and that reconciliation in this life and in the life to come. Is your conscience burdened by wondering if you are truly forgiven? Be comforted with the reassurance that through Christ's blood, you have the forgiveness of every single one of your sins from the outward to the innermost. Dear brothers and sisters, in Christ. Christ's weeping led to something else. It led to him going to that cross for your forgiveness, for your peace. And so daily be reminded of the one who makes for your peace. Listen to his teaching, hang onto his words, and receive the gifts that he so freely gives to you. This world around you is filled with sin and strife and all other evidences of sin, but there will come a time when Christ will come again and create a new Jerusalem where there will be no envy or strife, divisions among people, groups, or families, a time when there is peace and harmony with God and with one another. There will come a time when there are no more divisions, but instead there will be times of shouts of hosannas ringing forth and praises to our God for all eternity. This is the peace that he so freely gives. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.